Howdy! Thanks for tuning in today to the Lord of the Storm. We continue today with our reading of Paul's letter to the believers living in Rome. I'm your Bible reading friend, Dan Parr, and today we are reading Romans chapter 4. You can open your Bible now. My version is my easy-to-understand-and-read EUR Bible that I've made available to you on Amazon.com, so you can easily pick up a copy for yourself. How much faith do you have? How much do you need to get into heaven? What do you have your faith in? Father Abraham has a thing or two to teach us as we read God's Word today. Let's pray. God, as we are about to encounter your Word, prepare our hearts and minds to receive the message. Help us to hear from you and respond appropriately to what we hear. Teach us now, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 4. What then will we say that our forefather Abraham found out about being right with God? If Abraham was made right by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Because what does the scripture say? In Genesis, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to whoever works, their payment is not counted as a gift, but as something that is owed to them. But to the person who doesn't work, but has faith in God who justifies the sinner, his faith is counted as righteousness. It's just like David wrote about the blessing on the person whom God counts as righteous apart from works. Blessed are they whose crimes are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person whom the Lord will in no way charge with sin. Is this blessing then pronounced on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it counted? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? It wasn't in circumcision but in uncircumcision. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while he was in uncircumcision, so that he would be the father of all those who believe, though they might be in uncircumcision, that righteousness might also be counted to them. He is the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of that faith that our father Abraham, which he had in uncircumcision. The promise to Abraham and to his offspring that he should be heir of the world wasn't through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is void, and the promise is made of no effect. The law produces wrath, because where there is no law, there won't be any breaking of the law. This is the reason it is faith, according to the grace that the promise is given to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those of the law, but also to those who put their faith in God, like him who is the father of us all. As it is written in Genesis, I have made you a father of many nations. This is in the presence of God whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Abraham in hope believed to the end of his life that he would become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So will your offspring be. Without being weakened in his faith, He wasn't concerned about his own body, which was already worn out since he was about a hundred years old, or that Sarah was well past her childbearing years. Instead, looking to the promise of God, he didn't waver through unbelief, but grew strong through faith, thanking God, and was certain that what God had promised, he was also able to do. Because of this, it also was credited to him as righteousness. Now, it is not written that it was counted to him just for Abraham's sake. But for our sake also, we who believe in God, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up for our sins and was raised to justify us before God. As we go through this chapter today, 
It helps us to know that the Jewish teachers during this time believed that Abraham was justified or made right with God by his actions. They believed and taught that because Abraham was keeping the law, that his sins were forgiven and that he was considered to be righteous before God because of it. They said that somehow Abraham kept the law perfectly before it was even given. He was keeping it by some foreknowledge or intuition, they said. Once we know that, then we can see why Paul spends the first part of this chapter laboring the point that it is our beliefs that make us righteous. He says it in a couple of different ways, that our faith is how we obtain righteousness, and by having our sins forgiven, we become righteous. And then when we don't have sin, we are blessed by God. What he wanted to make sure that the readers of his letter came away with was the fact that there is no good works we can do to make us righteous that will lead us to heaven. The best example he could come up with to make his point is Abraham, who the Jews held in the highest of honor. You couldn't do any better than Abraham. He was the standard bearer. And Paul methodically debunks the belief that Abraham's actions has anything to do with him being considered righteous by God. And that wasn't at all to discredit Abraham in any way or make him less of a hero of the faith. Instead, it just reframed how the early believers would think of him. In fact, Paul makes sure to say that Abraham was a great man of faith. He believed what God said would happen. When God told him he was going to be the father of many nations, Abraham simply believed him. And this was in spite of some pretty valid concerns. He was old. His wife was old. He didn't have any children. His wife was well past the childbearing days. All of these things were facts. And it would have been understandable if Abraham didn't believe God because he couldn't conceive a way how that was going to happen in the natural. It simply didn't make any sense. But that is exactly why it is called faith. We'll read later in Romans 11 that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The word hope has always bothered me in this verse because when I hear hope, I think of it as, I hope my team wins the game. I hope I don't get a ticket while I'm speeding. I hope I pass my test. It's been a few years since I had hope for that one. But you get the idea of what I'm saying. For me, hope was the equivalent to wishing, which is based on nothing. It has no foundation. It's just something thrown out there with no reason for expectation of what I'm wishing for to come to pass. But hope is different than wishing. One dictionary definition puts it this way, to desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. So in other words, it is a trust that something you want is going to happen at some point. So you could say Abraham believed God and knew that despite what he might know or see, the promises God made would happen. And it was that faith that, as verse 22 says, that it was credited to him as righteousness. As we wrap up our time today, let's put our expectation that what Jesus has told us is going to happen, despite whatever obstacles might be in our way, despite what we see with our eyes, let's choose to believe God more than we do our circumstances. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word gives us hope. And it is not a wish type of hope. It is the expectation that what you say is going to happen. Thank you, God, that we can put our hope in you and your word. It is the only firm foundation we have to build our lives upon. 
For the one listening today that is struggling in this area, send them a reminder of your goodness and power that would cause them to rise above their circumstances and put their hope in you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I hope that helps someone today. Just know that God is for you and always does exactly what is right, even when it doesn't make sense to us. Put your hope in Him and He will see you through. Thanks for listening today. God bless.